Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Robert Yeager and the Tao Foundation. This is where we live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We're doing a happy dance here because our show is finally live this week after being preempted for NPR special coverage. Now, that special coverage will continue right after the show as the House committee meets to vote on articles of impeachment. Now, we're taking a break from all the impeachment coverage to remind you it's the holiday season. So we're talking about Santa Claus on the show today. If your children are nearby, you should turn the show off and listen later. Today, where we live, we introduce you to Connecticut residents who play Santa and who help make your holiday season magical. From those awkward mall pictures of your child screaming on Santa's lap to his visits at your company holiday party. Now, I'm not sure adults should sit on Santa's lap, but really, that's your call. Coming up, not all holiday folklore features a jolly man with a heart of gold. Krampus, the Christmas devil, a Bavarian tradition, has creeped into popular culture. Later, we'll hear from a man who dresses up as Krampus and some other not-so-nice characters. Now, Krampus showing up at your holiday party, that would be a party to remember. You can join our conversation, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. As always, find us on Facebook and Twitter, at Where We Live. I want to welcome my first guest, Santa Claus, also known as David Carrier, or Santa Dave to the show. Uh, welcome to Where We Live. Well, thank you very much, and a Merry Christmas to you, dear. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you as well. Um, obviously, the very busy time of year, so we appreciate your flexibility uh, coming to our Hartford studio. I have to ask, you know, how did you become Santa Dave? Actually, it, um, it started just by a natural look. I've had a beard on my face since I graduated high school, and as I got older and older, <laughs> the kids started calling me Santa. Um, and then I thought about it, and I read an article. Actually, m- my wife, uh, Valerie here, uh, showed me an article about Santa Claus and how there was a shortage of them and um, that it could make a good, um, you know, after work living, you know, once you retire. Um, however, I started it much earlier. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm still working full time, but I do do Santa Claus. Yeah. So how do you how did you begin? Did you where did you go to get the uh, the red suit? Uh, and uh, so you you already had the the requisite beard. Oh yeah. But there's also I believe a Santa school. Did you learn how to be Santa? Uh, actually, um, I went to a Connecticut Society of Santas meeting, um, and right away I was you know uh, welcome in and um, uh, one of the founding fathers of that organization, Charlie Allen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of mentored me, and uh, and I read a lot about it, and I took a lot of advice. And what I did was, um, you know, I started reading about the history of Christmas and Santa Claus, and that's how I really got involved in it. And one thing you have to have is you have to have a a, a background, a background story, mm. you know. So I picked one that I liked. And so tell us about the story that you chose and maybe some of your uh, first time uh, uh, playing Santa. How did that go for you, Santa Dave? First time playing was okay, but it was from comparison to now, it was awkward. (laughs) 
Okay, because, well, you have to know, you learn really quick that you have to take charge of a situation. So people really don't know what to expect when they hire a Santa into their home or if it's a company party. You basically have to walk in jolly, ready to go, full of energy, and get people on their feet and doing things, okay? There's uh, things that you play uh, certain games like I say, you say, I say Mary, you say Christmas, uh, <laughs> things of that nature. There's other things that happen where you you really have to greet people. You have to go from table to table if it's a company party. Um, you walk around the room if it's a residential and you greet people. You wish them a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. You don't know what their background is and you don't take it for granted. And the kids especially, okay, because they're looking for one thing only. They come <laughs> up to you, they want hugs. You know, they grab you by the hand, by the pant leg and everything else. They lead you over to the chair and they, they want to get going. <laughs> you know, so I mean, it's a lot of fun. It's very heartwarming. But the thing is, is that you do take that initiative to, uh, you know, start the show. So you've got to be a people person to play Santa. Uh, oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, you can't be shy. Okay, you have to take initiative at all times. And that's what brings out the entertainment. Mm-hmm. And then people say, he was great. Because they didn't have to do anything. Mm. Growing yeah. up, uh, what are some Santa stories that you remember or recall? Uh, any uh, interactions with Santas? That No, uh, I you... never had any. Mm. I was never mm. one to go to see Santa at a store or anything else like that. I am not a mall-type Santa. Uh, I Not my real thing to do because I like to talk to people and I like to talk to kids. And... Um, you know, I like, to, I like to have those conversations with kids. And when they're older, I like to find out what their favorite subject is in school. I like to congratulate them for liking certain subjects, actually all subjects, but then tell them, um, you know, how that could help them out. Um, things of that nature. And we, obviously, you know, what they want for Christmas, but I never promise them anything. Mm-hmm. So in other words, I'll say, you know what, I'm going to talk that back over to the elves and I'm going to see what they have on the list. If we have it, it's going to be in the sleigh. You'll get it. Mm. If we don't have it, I'll make sure you get something just as nice that you'll like. What's the yeah. strangest uh, request that you've got for Christmas? Oh, other than husbands? <laughs> um, let me see now. Um, oh, they want cars, BMWs. And I always say, yes, obviously. No problem whatsoever. I'll leave it on the roof. It's up to you to get it down. <laughs> This is where we live. In studio with me is Santa Dave, otherwise known as David Carrier. As we talk about uh, uh, Christmas time and uh, residents who uh, play uh, Santa uh, uh, during uh, the season, you can join our conversation, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. Often when you see uh, Santa Claus at the local mall or at a community event, Oftentimes, Mrs. Claus is there. We found out uh, during uh, the production of this show that many of the Mrs. Clauses you see are actually the spouses of Santa Claus there as well. But not all uh, women who are married to Santa want to be Mrs. Claus. Uh, Joining me now in studio is Val Carrier, who is also known as Flake, uh, Santa Dave's personal assistant and stylist. Uh, Val, welcome to our show. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, So what is your reaction uh, uh, to uh, when Santa Dave uh, wanted to become uh, Santa, um, what was your reaction to uh, his interests? Well, I certainly knew that he was Santa long before he did. <laughs> um, once again, he's <laughs> always had the look. He's had that beard since uh, 1974. 
And um, children always, you know, sometimes you think that children would be put off by the beard, but Mm -hmm. really they're sort of attracted to him. So I don't know if he just has a natural magnetic personality when it comes to small children, but it seemed to be a natural fit. And so tell us a little bit about uh, when uh, your husband became Santa Dave. Uh, Were you ever Mrs. Claus? And then when did you decide to, to switch it up a little? I have been Mrs. Claus once. It was uh, back when uh, Pipes in the Valley was popular. We had decided to um, give Santa Claus a, a Scottish um, side. And so we are um, uh, members of the Clan Claus Society, which is a Scottish mm-hmm. Santa Claus organization, mostly centered in the Midwest. But they have um, a lovely logo and uh, a lovely mission statement, which we believe in. And so, therefore, I had um, put on the Scottish garb and was Mrs. Claus, and it was a great, wonderful day. But um, when he's the more traditional Santa, um, he has not necessarily needed to have Mrs. Claus by his side. When he does, we do have uh, friends and associates that do that. But he really needed somebody that could assist him and um, sort of direct, especially large, larger children, larger gr- groups of children, mm-hmm. Um, uh, to to fit his needs and and make it a great event. I imagine that it, an event could be chaotic if uh, people don't know what they're doing. And so you really got to go in there. And because of your experience, you know how, again, as Santa Dave mentioned, uh, to uh, talk to the children, talk to the adults so that it's, it's a good experience for everyone. Oh, oh yeah. Um, if if I were to be Mrs. Claus, Mrs. Claus must stay in character. And when I'm not, when I'm Flake, um, Santa's personal assistant and stylist, it allows me to move around the crowds and direct people more because they, they don't expect me to be that character. Uh, Santa Dave, uh, I understand there's an international brotherhood of real bearded Santas. You remember? Oh, yes, definitely. And, and that's a that's a phenomenal group of men and women. Um, and especially with the women too. I mean, you know, they don't, Mrs. Clauses do not get enough um, uh, self worth, mm. okay, and enough, uh, you know, notoriety out there. And they're just as important as Santa. And a lot of Santas will, some Santas will disagree, but it's absolutely true. I mean, they're absolutely a, a, a big need for a Mrs. Claus. If children come up to me um, and they back off, They'll always go to a Mrs. Claus because it's Mrs. Claus. Mm. She's kind. She's not as boisterous. You know what I mean? So it works out really well. But with the International Brotherhood, they offer insurance, which is so much cheaper because you're buying it as a group. Okay? So back in the day, uh, insurance uh, that we would have to carry if you're a professional Mm would be about $1,500 just for a season. And now we pay anywhere around about $290 mm. for the season for a year. And the season starts right after Thanksgiving? Actually, the season can start any time for you. So it's mm-hmm. more or less, um, you get coverage it usually lasts from September through September. Okay. and But, you know, you could have that big thing nowadays is, uh, you know, Christmas in July. So you might be performing then. You might be at a summer camp. You might be at somebody's backyard having a picnic. And you're there in red shorts, you know, Hawaiian shirt with Santa figures on it. And, you know, you're doing well.
You can join our conversation, 888-720-9677, as we talk to Santa Dave or David Carrier here with us, uh, one of the characters or one of the Santas that you see uh, around Connecticut. He's been doing it since uh, 2012. Also with us in studio is Valerie Carrier, his wife, who works as Flake, Santa Dave's personal assistant and stylist. Uh, Join us at 888-720-9677. Darcy's calling from East Hartford. Darcy, you're on the show. Yes, hi. I just wanted to... um kind of reiterate some of the things that Santa Dave said. I do play Mrs. Claus, and he's right. We're, we're definitely an overlooked part of the family from time to time. A lot of times people call my company looking for a Santa, and I'll say, and we have Mrs. Claus too, and they just don't always think it's necessary. But, you know, to, again, to reiterate and kind of strengthen what Santa Dave said, it's very true. The, the kids that you see in those wonderful heirloom memory pictures of the screaming child on Santa's knee. Sometimes when Mrs. Claus is there, it's such a great buffer for the children because we're the warm, cuddly, grandmotherly-like figure. And it is very calming and soothing to have that second person there. And a lot of times the children will come and sit on my lap and get their picture taken. And they might tell me what they want for Christmas because Santa might be a little bit like uh, Santa Dave said, a little boisterous and, you know, a bigger personality, which might be overwhelming, especially for the little ones. Um, The other thing that I like to do as Mrs. Claus is I like to tell the kids what kind of cookies Santa likes. That's a good question. So Santa Dave, what kind of cookie do you like? Uh, I definitely like chocolate chips, and if they can add nuts to it, it's even better. (laughs) Well, thank you, Darcy, for calling in uh, again uh, to the show. I wanted to take another quick call. Uh, Jean's calling in. Uh, Jean, you're on the show. Hi, uh, I'm Jane Peters. I'm with the Partnership for Strong Communities. I just wanted to say um, how wonderful Santa Dave is. He's been doing our Fog Hollow Billing Sports Christmas party for us with Flake, and they're just the most wonderful people I've ever known. They're kind. He loves children. They both do. And the time that he takes to spend at this party and with these children and the joy he brings to all of us, whether they're adults or children, is, is just, it, it's unbelievable. And we're so grateful for him. Mm-hmm. And when I heard him on the show, I had to say just how wonderful they are. Jane, you're making me blush over here. I know nobody can see that, but thank you very much. You do have a very nice beard, uh, Santa Dave. I thank you for calling in, uh, Jean, on the show today. Uh, we had talked about uh, this international brotherhood of, of real bearded Santas, this idea that not all spouses uh, need to be Mrs. Claus. But I'm curious, what is the reaction among some of the, the Santas in this group when they hear of people like your wife, Val, who don't want to really be Mrs. Claus but have their own identity. I think it's very much welcomed, okay, because in any capacity, the International Brotherhood uh, not only has schools and there's different members that have different schools that are all over the country, but they also have, they also realize that there's such a shortage of performers, okay, whether you're an elf, elves are allowed in, okay, they want to be welcoming to any performer for the Christmas holiday season, okay? So whether it's a Mrs. Claus or an elf or a Santa Claus, whether it's a real bearded Santa or not, it doesn't matter, only because that there's such a shortage. We'll take anybody who wants to be a Santa Claus, we'll help them, we'll mentor them as far as uh, 
If you want to have a, uh, a fake beard, we even know of companies that supply uh, beards that you cannot tell the difference between that beard and a real beard. But they're expensive. They're about $3,000, oh and gosh. they come from the underbelly of a yak. <laughs> this is true. That's not a joke. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, but they, they fit to the face, and they're, they're absolutely uh, amazing. And so that works. I mean, that's, that helps out because we get so many calls. Mm-hmm. We get so many calls from people, um, you know, from all over, um, and including, you know, from all Santas, if you like to do that type of thing, or if you, you know, for home visits, uh, for, you know, hospitals, um, nonprofits, and it's just not enough time to get it all done. I had brought up uh, this idea of, of, of Santa school, and when you're talking about mentoring and helping uh, prospective Santas, you know, what kind of uh, skills do they need beyond just being a people person? Well, you have to know what works and what doesn't. You know, you have to know, you have to be uh, the type of person who's going to be sensitive to a lot of different things. Um, you have to know some, tr- you know, some uh, tricks of the trade. You know, but what to talk about? You know, what you know, what things are kind of taboo? Um, what type of subjects that you really want to get involved in with the children? And what is taboo, know? Santa Dave? Well, I mean, you're going to have kids that'll come up to you and they'll, they'll you know, without realizing it, you know, they'll kind of break your heart, mm. only for the fact that I, I want my mom and dad to get back together again. So you're kind of doing a little counseling at the same time, and you have to tell them that, you know, they're pow- are they still talking? You know, it's something that they have to work it out together. These are things that happen in life, okay? And, um, you know, there's other things where, you know, let's say, you know, all I want for Christmas, when you have a, a, an eight-year-old girl sitting on your lap and the tears are coming down their face, and I say, could you just bring my brother home from the hospital? You know, and I says, what's the matter with your brother? And he says, well, he has something wrong with his brain, okay, and they have to operate. And so, you know, you kind of, like, at first you go, (gasps) you know, but you have to keep your composure. You got to look at them square in the eye. And I says, well, how about if Santa, you know, will, will pray for your brother? And I'm sure they're in very good hands at the hospital, and I'm sure they're going to do everything they can to get him home as soon as possible. You know, I mean, you just have to take each situation, um, you know, and, and get ready for it, you know. Uh, Val Carrier, who's also with us, uh, Santa Dave's wife. Uh, this is a, a, a tough gig, not just the schedule, but the fact that the holidays aren't always happy for everyone. Yeah. And you want to uh, give a little bit of comfort uh in that short amount of time that you have mm-hmm. with some of these children. Oh, absolutely. Um, and you know, getting back to to Mrs. Claus in the in the Santa schools, if we will, um, there have been uh, many subjects that Santa School brings to life, and that is uh, learning some sign language, learning how to work with special needs children as well. Um, uh, what uh, Mrs. Claus can bring to the table has. Um, is really sort of exploded this year as far as um, Mrs. Claus doing readings at the library and uh, baking cookies with Mrs. Claus. And we have a lot of Mrs. Clauses who have sort of started their own workshops and um, the, and the Mrs. Claus and helpers are getting together in, in, in that um, way as well. So 
Um, as a matter of fact, I think that there is even a president of one of the uh, clause associations that's now a woman, and that's been a, traditionally a man's uh, position. But yeah, it's great to be supportive. You can um, you can see that not all of the children are having a great time in this holiday. Mm-hmm. They are facing challenges, and so we like to sort of scan the crowd and make sure that we make contact, especially with those children. And just you know, as a as a supportive thing, they don't have to embrace the holiday. They don't have to be happy, but just to let them know that somebody cares about them and and that we see them. Yeah, the biggest I think one of the biggest things that makes it very important for uh, you know women to be involved in this is that they're naturally just more nurturing than a man can be. Okay, I mean, even though a man can do a good job at it, there's something about a, a Mrs. Claus or a Nelf or whatever they want to be you know, telling the child something else. You know, it's just uh, it's just more comforting for a child. You're listening to uh, Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. In studio with me is David Carrier, also known as Santa Dave, a member of the New England Santa Society. He's quite busy this time of year uh, dressing up as Santa. Also with us in studio, Valerie Carrier, who works as Flake, Santa Dave's personal assistant and stylist. Uh, Val, thanks for coming in to tell us about your role. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk to one of the newest Santas on the block, uh, Chris Presley. Uh, and we're going to have David Carrier stick around. And you can join us too, 888 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is Where We Live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We're going behind the scenes with Santa. So for kids who are excited for his visit, keep the magic alive by listening to this episode later. We're talking with Connecticut residents who play Santa Claus during the holiday season. Now, a jolly old white man in a red suit is a story most American children latch on to. He brings toys. What's not to love about Santa? Here's our own Kyone Wolf's interview with Isaiah Harrington, who was five years old at the time, about his impression of Santa and Christmas. He goes to, like, every country, but only the good boys and girls' houses. The bad children don't get anybody's. If I were the bad boy and I woke up, no presents, I would feel heartbroken. What makes you a good boy? Oh! Now you're answering the right boy for that question. I've been helping some people. I've done the dishes before. (laughs) <laughs> Good job, Isaiah. You are adorable. Uh, now, I was thinking back to uh, my upbringing, and my parents made it clear to me that Christmas was about Jesus. And so we didn't really talk about Santa, and they never kept that story going that Santa was an actual person. And one year, I actually let my classmates know that Santa was not real, and I ended up getting put in time out. So I learned my lesson. Uh, now, not all Santas today look like this traditional figure that most of us grew up with. My next guest is Hartford's newest Santa, 
Chris Presley. He's a black Santa who will appear at Camorra's Cultural Corner in Hartford Saturday. We'll have more information on our website, um, wmpr.org slash where we live. But I want to welcome Chris Presley to our show. Chris, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. How are you today? I'm doing well. Um, also with us is Santa Dave, also known as David Carrier, who's been uh, playing Santa for several years. So, Chris, I mentioned to our listeners this will be the first time you're suiting up, so to speak. So how are you feeling? Overall, very excited. Uh, being on stage, being in front of people is not new to me. I'm a social worker. I'm a community organizer. So uh, that's that's not really causing too much nervousness. It's just the uniqueness of the role and the position that I've never done before. So that, you know, there's, there's hints of a nervousness. So uh, going back to when you were a kid, uh, I remember when we saw Santa Claus, he was the traditional uh, Santa Claus with a white face, white beard, and, and a red suit. What do you remember growing up about any interactions you had with Santa? I, when I was in the green room just now, I was thinking about just one time I was at the mall when I was younger with my mom, and there was just a line of people going to see a mall Santa. And, you know, my, similarly, I came from a religious background where it was just, I, I think I said before, there was no slander, Santa slander in my household, <laughs> but it was just like, well, Jesus, et cetera. You know, this is, this is what it is. Uh, but yeah, I just remember seeing all these kids lining up for Santa and just, it was such a non-factor and just the fascination with Santa when I was growing up that other people had that I just didn't even like, I was just like, oh, okay, they're over there doing that. All right. It was just, I don't know. It's very, it's interesting that I'm at this place now with what I'm going to do on Saturday because Santa really has not been a factor in my life one way or another. So it's, it's very fascinating. I mentioned uh, David Carrier is also in studio, uh, who's been uh, Santa for many years, Santa Dave. Uh, uh, you're a part of this international brotherhood of real bearded Santas. Uh, tell us about how you've seen, has membership changed? Are you seeing more people of color that want to be Santa? Um, I'm seeing more of a call for it. Okay, I mean, we I know of four Santas, colored Santas, and... Um, I don't know of one except now for Chris in Connecticut. And there's a big need. Okay, culturally, it's a good thing. Okay, you got to take into consideration that Santa, okay, has no affiliation with any religious group. Never did. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people will disagree with that. They say, well, St. Nicholas. Yes. Okay, well, that's one part of it. Okay, but Santa... Um, depending on you know what your belief is in, uh, you can go back three thousand years BC when uh, the Green Man was giving out presents. <laughs> okay, some people think it uh, started with Odin, who's a Norse mythology. You know, he rode a horse with eight legs. Okay, now you have eight reindeer. So things like I said, bits and pieces were taken from different cultures. Um, I think a black Santa is long overdue. I think it's something that I think a lot of kids of any color, mm. any background, would welcome. Mm. Uh, Chris, I mentioned that you are a black man. Uh, what does this mean for you, and what do you think about uh, about the children you're going to see tomorrow and how they respond to you? Uh, I feel, you know, as to echo what has just been said, you know, it is very important because, you know, deep down, probably it's more subconscious than conscious, people want to see themselves in different roles you know i mean if, if you're a young black child living in hartford maybe you have an interest in being an astronaut if you don't see any black astronauts which obviously there are black astronauts but if you aren't aware of them you know it's gonna it's gonna affect you in sort of way and in the santa realm you know 
you can have an amazing experience with a Santa who doesn't look like you. But I think it's amplified when it does resemble you and it just feels just more like home. It feels like like a family member, you know, in that in that sense. So I think it is very important um, to just help, uh, you know, just children with their worldview and thing like, no, very, very Santa well can look. Said. Yes, yes it, like it can help with just like, no, Santa can look like anything. It's 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 more of a spirit um, than necessarily it is like it's this one type of looking person. It's more the spirit that's brought to the children, brought to the world. Uh, we were looking back at, at the history of Santa Claus, uh, especially uh, when there was a breakthrough for black Santas that came in 1936 when uh, Bill Bojangles Robinson was Harlem's first black Santa Claus. And then looking at Connecticut history, there was a black Santa uh, in Hartford at the G. Fox uh, store, but that was only after a discrimination suit. Uh, Chris, did you know about any of this growing uh, up? You know, I, I recently learned this. Shout out to Kamora Harrington because, you know, she's a She's a student uh, and teacher of all things Hartford that have occurred, especially in terms of activism in the community. And, you know, I read up on the story and, you know, unfortunately, sometimes it, it happens where, you know, the story was, you know, he applied. He was denied. He reached out to uh, CHR, CHRO, which is Connecticut Human Rights Organization. They filed a lawsuit on his behalf. And then after that. G. Fox rescinded and he was allowed to be Black Santa. And it's unfortunate that it had to go that way, but, you know, it still moved the, moved the ball forward down the field, I guess you could say. You can join our conversation again as we talk about uh, the many identities of Santa Claus. The number 888-720-9677. Or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Kim's calling from West Hartford. Kim, go ahead. Hi, uh, this is a such a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for having it. You know, it's it's really interesting. I, I've been listening. I'm um, a little over fifty years old, and an African American woman growing up uh, right around here. And you know, we always had Black Santa. <laughs> we were fortunate enough to um, grow up in a, a predominantly African American Presbyterian church in the area, and we had a. a, a um, a congregate who played Santa every year for as long as I could remember, at least 10, 15 years. And he would literally go house to house um, to all of the members of the church who had little children and uh, play Santa, you know. Um, and, the, and the really funny thing about it is that he'd, he'd go to so many houses during the course of the evening on Christmas Eve that um, he would get home and be a little a, a little bit tipsy because he, he was served so many spiced eggnog. <laughs> so, you know, it was just, just a wonderful memory. And then having all of us kids kind of see him the following Sunday at church and kind of know he was Santa Claus, but not, you know, completely certain. So um, just wonderful memories. And, and thank you so much for sharing um, uh, your gifts as as uh, Santa's to the to the community, you you are making lasting memories for children. As I said, I'm 50 years old, and I still remember that mm-hmm. like it's yesterday. So thank you so much. Well, thank you, Kim, for your call, uh, Santa Day. That might be one of the the tips you give prospective Santas. Watch out for the spiked eggnog. Exactly, but you know what? She brought out something that was very important. Most of the Santas were homegrown. Mm-hmm. Okay, they started off doing things in their own neighborhood, their own community. Okay, and a lot of times, what happens is that. Um, You know, when these little clubs or organizations started forming, some of them joined them, Mm -hmm. okay? So you wanted to be better than what you actually were doing, 
And so that's how you kind of, you know, together you came up with a plan, an action plan of how should Santa behave, what should Santa be doing, you know, and how to make it even better. So, I mean, those homegrown uh, community uh, Santa clauses were vital, and they still are today because not everybody is going to be a member of an organization, you know. Uh, Chris Presley, I wanted to go back to you again. Uh, Hartford's newest Santa, you're going to be uh, dressing up as a black Santa at a event at Camorra's Cultural Corner uh, tomorrow. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you're also a social worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we were talking with Santa Dave earlier about, you know, not every child um, has joy or there might be trauma going on in their life and how you respond uh, to those children and their stories. You know, I, I was glad to hear you sharing that, Dave, because, you know, I mean, it, like I instantly was in my feelings when, when I heard that because, uh, you know, knowing a so, being a social worker and understanding that reality just in general, you know, I didn't necessarily connect that with the Santa role I'm going to be playing. And, you know, at least I have some sort of foundation in understanding that and, and uh, you know, working with with children who are going through that, but I mean that 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 is um you know I mean that is uh that is reality, um unfortunately for a lot of children and you know even it's even more important for me in this role that I'm going to do to bring joy to these children because they may be dealing with things back home and in their community that for whatever reason they can't get away from um. So, so yeah, so I think that, that was a very uh, interesting thing I heard. And, you know, I d- definitely internalized and I'm going to, you know, take yeah. stock of it. You may be a sounding board even for adults because right. sometimes, you know, um, I collect these letters, okay, from different places that I go to. I'll have a mailbox for Santa. Um, and you'll get a, a, a letter every once in a while from a grown woman who had a baby. And they say, um, I lost my baby just a few months ago. Could you make sure that the baby's okay in heaven? Mm. You know, and I mean, that's nothing that you can do. There's nothing you can say about it. It's a letter. But at the same time, for you being who you are, you're giving that person some relief that they can write that type of letter. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's a good therapy for them. It's a good right. it's a good way to just sound it out and to, to voice it. You you're know? meeting people where they are. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, that's <laughs> the social work <laughs> slogan. Um and yeah, I mean, it comes in all forms. You know, I, I look at myself as regardless of what I'm doing, I infuse a little social work into it just inherently. You know, if I'm waiting for a bus, you know, if there's some way I can be assistance or if someone needs to ask me a question or talk to me about some random thing, you know, I want to be able to listen and, you know, assist when, when possible. And, you know, in this role of Santa, it's it's no different. So Yeah, your cheeks are going to, you know, hurt on Sunday <laughs> because you're going to be smiling a lot and you're going to be <laughs> greeting people and you're going to be talking and... You know, it's a it's a wonderful feeling, though. Even though your your face is a little sore, <laughs> you're making you bring a lot of joy to people. I wish yes. you the very best tomorrow. Thank you, thank you. You can join our conversation eight 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 seven two zero nine six seven seven. I'm very lucky to be sitting in the studio with Santa Dave and Santa Chris as we talk again about Connecticut residents uh, who step into this role during the holiday season. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Chris, I, I wanted to ask you um, in terms of preparing, we heard from a caller who says oftentimes people want to know what's Santa's favorite cookie. I mean, you're thinking about how you're going to respond to those questions? <laughs> um, white macadamia. 
first of all. <laughs> all right. Uh, second of all, in terms of preparation, you know, I've been I'm doing a lot of sprints up hills. You know what I'm saying? I've been doing pull-ups. You know, I'm getting ready. You know, I've been pulling sleighs. Yeah, I've been doing all the things. Uh, but, you know, just in terms of getting ready, uh, again, what you're saying about, you know, children dealing with things, even special needs children. I work with special needs children. And I even consider that, like, you know, there may be a special needs child that comes. And obviously I have a background where I've worked with that, so I know – how to navigate, you know, um, uh, situations like that. Uh, but just, <laughs> I guess, being prepared for anything and everything that could be at least said to me. Um, and just, you know, like you were yeah. saying about, it's like... You're not going to be walking into a minefield. I mean, most, <laughs> no, of these kids, most of these kids are going to be very happy. Most right, of them right. are going to be, well, you know, they, they just want to tell you a story or they want to tell you what they want for Christmas. They they want a story from you and things of that nature, which is great. I mean, that's that's what you really want to deal with, um, and that's what you are going to deal with. It's just you know, just be aware. That's all. Well, we will wish you all the best, uh, Santa Chris Presley. Again, uh, we have an event. Uh, you have an event coming up on our website. We'll list it so people know. Again, at Camora's Cultural Corner. It's a pleasure to meet you, Chris. Yes. Good Can luck I tomorrow. Can I just plug it right now? Yeah, real go quick? ahead. Um, yeah, so it's at Camora's Cultural Center. Shouts again to Camora Harrington. Um, it's ten twenty three Albany Avenue, which is in the north end of Hartford. Um, it is three to six p.m. and there's going to be arts and crafts. In addition to me being an awful. An awesome, I said awful. No. <laughs> oh, no. no. An awesome, <laughs> wonderful Santa. Um, there's going to be arts and crafts for kids. There's going to be holiday treats. There's going to be hot chocolate. There's obviously going to be pictures with Santa. Um, and also, shout out to Ephraim Adams, who is the organizer. And you can find out more information um, on Facebook, Rainbow Soul, CT, or Kimura's Cultural Center. Perfect. Chris Presley, thanks so much for coming in. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for having me. Also, Santa David Carrier, uh, thanks for coming in as well, and good oh, luck uh, with uh, the rest of your season. <laughs> It'll be a long one, but I think I'm going to enjoy every minute of it, believe me. This is where we live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. Now, coming up, well, we've referenced this already, but the holidays aren't always jolly. Some darker Christmas characters have also creeped into the season. We're going to talk with a Connecticut resident who dresses up as Krampus and the Grinch. And you can join us too, 888-720-WNPR, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is Where We Live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. The holiday season may be dominated by Santa Claus, but in recent years, Krampus has creeped into popular culture. My next guest dresses up as Krampus and other not-so-nice characters this season. Uh, Joey Marsacci is a puppeteer and designer who plays Krampus, the Grinch, and... Beetlejuice Santa. Joey, welcome to our show. Thank you, Lucy. Pleasure to be here. I wish our listeners could see you. So you've got this really interesting Santa hat, but uh, describe for our listeners when you when you play Krampus uh, the costume that you uh, take on. So Krampus is probably my least played character, but he is fun. Uh, the, the Santa hat that I have today is kind of my spare Krampus hat that I wear <laughs> out when I'm shopping at malls and such uh, to keep people kind of away from me during the holiday season. <laughs> uh, but it's a, it's a typical Santa hat, a bit dirtied with uh, some very large horns that are coming out of the forehead. And uh, the right people get it. So they'll come up to me and say, hey, cool hat. Um, but I made it specifically mm-hmm. for that purpose. And briefly, tell us about the Krampus character that I mentioned. Uh, the Krampus character, um, 
it's it's fun. It's it's been coming more into recognition over the past, I'd say, five years, six years. Um, it's not something that the American culture has been too aware of. I think you know now it's kind of hitting the mainstream, and that you could go to Target and see Krampus on a sweater. Um, <laughs> but the the costume typically is uh, very hairy claws big horns, um, a traditional kind of wooden mask or a latex mask that um, is a demon, sharp teeth, long tongue, long ears, um, very goat-like. And sometimes robes, definitely a cowbell, which he rings, uh, a basket on his back, you know, to put children in, and um, the naughty children, and then uh, sticks uh, to, uh, to beat them with. Oh, uh, also part of his costume. And again, this is a, a tradition from Bavaria. Um, it has been coming into more of the mainstream. But you said that Krampus is actually one of the, uh, you don't play him very often. So tell us about some of the characters that you do play this season and what drew you to them. Uh, the character that I play the most is the Grinch. Um, he's been a childhood favorite of mine since I can remember. Um, and he's, he's kind of my spirit animal, if you will. Uh, I've evolved him to be... Uh, my own character over the years. And the Grinch is really um, something that I think is, is obviously children know it, whether from the book, the cartoon, the films that have come out. So he's the alternative to Santa. He's his uh, yin to his yang, I suppose. And the Grinch is something that's a little more approachable. Mm -hmm. So a lot more people are reaching out to hire a Grinch for their parties, um, whether it be for families or adults. Uh, but I started doing it uh, simply because I, I felt there was a need for it. The message that the, that the Grinch book has, um, it doesn't toss away Santa or the belief of Santa. In fact, I don't do that at all. What it does is it gives kids that kind of uh, opposite place to go, those kids that don't um, – maybe don't have a family, don't have a full family. They're, they're kind of sad. They see other people who are sad. He's relatable in even more so now than when I was a mm. kid. But my, my childhood was not a happy childhood, I, I, and I dealt with a trauma around the Christmas holiday, uh, which kind of turned me into a Grinch in a way. So it became a Grinch therapy, if you will. Um, I, I started just by visiting children's hospitals. And I learned the story, so I recite it. Mm-hmm. And I would go there and tell them stories and, you know, kind of leave in a hurry and then come back and bring them gifts and then go on my merry way. Um, the way that I, uh, that I typically will perform the Grinch is, and especially now as I evolve him even further from this year to next year, is that he is he's telling the story of how he used to be. So he's a bit kinder. And his message is really that sometimes the holidays make people not themselves. And I think that uh, that can, can be very relatable whether you're, you're a kid or an adult. Mm. How has uh, playing the Grinch helped you? Helped me. It, it's helped me actually in many ways. I think that I've been, I've been able to get through my own kind of Christmas issues, if you will, by playing the Grinch, by seeing the effect that it has on children mm-hmm. um, and coming home from an event or a hospital mm-hmm. and just feeling a different sort of energy that I grew up with. Christmas was not, uh, you know, for, for many, many years, it was not my favorite holiday. Mm-hmm. And I would just kind of lock myself away and get away from people 
because I know I, my temperament was a bit rougher, meaner, mm-hmm. and I'd say things I didn't mean. And that's what the Grinch is kind of all about. Mm-hmm. Um, he went through a trauma, and he's not nice during Christmas. Mm-hmm. So, it, uh, so that's why I relate to it so much. So over the years, it, Grinch therapy has been what I kind of rely on to get me through the holidays. Mm-hmm. And how have the, the children responded, even some of the adults uh, that you run into, for the many gigs that you're getting as the Grinch? Yeah, they uh, – I think they're really excited because, you know, there's a, there's a certain stigma with Santa. No, no, you know, nothing against Santa, but he can be kind of scary. He can be intimidating. And if you've done something, like if you really follow the good, bad mm-hmm. thing uh, with Santa and Krampus, then, mm-hmm. you know, you could be terrified to see Santa if you think you've done something wrong. Now, the Grinch doesn't promote doing things wrong, but he certainly is more forgiving of them. And I think that's one of those things that there are little tiny lessons in everything I do, every movement, Mm -hmm. every interaction with adults, with kids, um, that are actually good things that are just kind of mixed in with his grumpiness. Like I do mention therapy quite a bit, that the Mm -hmm. Grinch goes to therapy. And I wear this this nice scarf, and I always make mention that I started taking up knitting as therapy. So describe the scarf. It's very nice. Uh, the scarf is, is is part of my Grinch costume. Mm-hmm. So it's it's made up of different furs and different types of yarns, and it doesn't match at all. Mm-hmm. And it's very rough looking, but it's also kind of warm and cuddly. So it kind of represents him. <laughs> uh, you reference this in, even in the, the scarf that you mentioned, uh, be that you're an artist, so you're designing all of these costumes that you're wearing. I am. I spend the year building puppets and monsters and costumes and props and all sorts of things. Um, I, I'm a designer by trade, so Grimm Studios is my company, and I I do pretty much anything. Uh, typically, Halloween was my busy season. I would build monsters. I would go and perform, and then slowly – Christmas started to become just as busy because there was a need for characters like the Grinch or uh, Beetle Claws, which is my Beetlejuice version of Santa Claus, um, or Krampus. So, uh, and sometimes I've created custom characters that have to go along with the Christmas season, and they're, you know, not exactly Santa either. They're a little more fun, mm-hmm. um, whimsical, uh, with a little bit of dark humor to them. We just have a, a couple of minutes left. I understand like last season you had at least 40 appearances as the Grinch. I did. I did. It was it was very daunting. Mm-hmm. I'd say I have the same uh, kind of um, rigorous schedule as Santa at yeah. this point. Um, and it's exhausting and it's very warm, obviously, mm-hmm. for a suit with many layers on top. Um, and I'm also acting with my entire body. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I'm, I don't break character as a Santa or as a as a Grinch. Mm-hmm. I do break character as a Santa. <laughs> well, before before we let you go, and we're going to have pictures on our website at wmpr.org/slash where we live, including a link uh, to Joey Marsacci's uh, website uh, to see these amazing costumes. But I understand that you rewrote the Grinch's uh, final speech. Uh, can I, you I uh, did. give a little give us a little uh, taste of sure, your version sure. of the Grinch? Sure, I wanted to have an epilogue when I perform it to kind of. Uh, give a different meaning to it. So I'll just read it 
I'll try and do it in his voice. So that's my story, as most of you know. But there's one thing I should say before I go. You see, it took 53 years to figure it out, time I could have spent better, without a doubt. Instead of hiding away and being alone, maybe it wouldn't have hurt to just pick up a phone or say hi to a stranger and make a new friend or do something nice without thinking the world would end. Yes, I'm still the Grinch at the end of the day. I'm broken and grumpy, but what can I say? Sometimes people just are, but they don't mean to be, so maybe we should just try a little more empathy. See, the holidays are here, and sometimes they're hard. It's not just something you can fix with a gift or a card. It's not about presents. It's not about things. It's not about who gave who what or who has the most bling. The holidays are about people, the ones far and near, who are there when you need them to bring you some cheer, the ones who just get you when you're not at your best, the ones who make you smile with a joke or a jest. We can all be that person, whether a Grinch or a Who. So it's time to get out there and just be the best you. Again, that's Joey Marsacci, an artist, designer, puppeteer, uh, who plays several characters, including the Grinch, which you just heard. Uh, Joey, it's been a pleasure to meet you and, and learn about you, and we'll have more information again on our website, wmpr.org, slash where we live. Thank you. <laughs> and we're going to close out the show with uh, The Grinch. I want to thank Julia Pastel, who uh, produced today's show. Also, thanks to Kion Wolf and Carmen Baskoff. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Thanks for listening. You have termites in your smile. You have all the tender sweetness of a seasick crocodile, Mr. Grinch. Given the choice between the two of you, I'd take the seasick crocodile. You're a foul one, Mr. Grinch. You're a nasty, wasty skunk. Your heart is full of unwashed socks. Your soul is full of gunk, Mr. Grinch. The three words that best describe you are as follows, and I quote, Stink, stank, stunk. You're a rotter, Mr. Grinch. You're the king of sinful socks. Your heart's a dead tomato splotched with moldy purple spots, Mr. Grinch.